Hi, this is Matt Cardinal, host of Game On, and this is Our Future is Missing. Please be on the lookout for 37-year-old Watson Jones. He is considered a lost, injured, and missing male who disappeared from St. Petersburg, Florida, December 5th, 1991. His height is 5 foot 8, he weighs 145 pounds, he has brown eyes, black hair, and he is biracial, he's African American and Caucasian. Watson has a scar on the left side of his face and walks with a limp. If you know of Watson Jones's whereabouts, please contact the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children's Hotline at 1-800-THE-LOST. The actual number for that is uh, 1-800-843-5678. To see a picture of Watson, please click on the link on the Voice America homepage, Our Future is Missing, or go to ourfutureismissing.com. Thank you. This is voiceamericakids.com. It's time for Speaking of Sports, your weekly look inside at the stats, scores, opinions, and facts from a kid's point of view. You can't miss one moment of the action going on in the next hour. Now, here's your host. Hey there, and welcome to Speaking of Sports. I'm Jason, and tonight we have a wealth of topics to cover. Um, certainly, first and foremost, joy to the world. Football is back. The NFL lockout has come to an end. And we're seeing the beginning of what's supposed to be a free agent frenzy for the ages. Um, This is supposed to be pretty much the biggest thing anyone has ever seen, just as far as sheer number of players changing teams, um, both free agents, you know, you have these undrafted rookies, draft picks, everybody's supposed to be signing. Uh, And we've seen a couple signings already so far in this thing, and we're certainly looking forward to even more in the coming weeks. Uh, We're going to check up to where we are in the Major League Baseball season, certainly looking at the trade deadline looming right now. A lot of guys could move. We've seen some guys move already. We'll see how that's going to affect the rest of the season, who could make a big move to become a contender. Uh, Maybe more importantly, some guys who who seem like they aren't going to get dealed, um, looking especially over at King Felix in Seattle. Uh, States and Sports tonight is in Connecticut, uh, the home of ESPN and dominant women's college basketball. Certainly going to be an interesting segment. Uh, but we're going to kick things off, as previously mentioned, with the NFL returning from the lockout. And frankly, it's great to be able to talk about something in the NFL that doesn't involve lawyers, even if this part involves lots of agents. Because, you know, we're still in the offseason, obviously. Teams are starting to report for training camp. They're starting to get their work in. We're going to have games. Uh, The Hall of Fame game, the only game that's going to be canceled. The rest of the preseason will happen, as always, which is certainly a great thing. Not so much for the fans, because I certainly don't know too many football fans who really sit there waiting for preseason football. But for the players, um, because for every guy out there, you know, for every LaDainian Tomlinson who famously would just never carry the ball in the preseason back in his prominence with the Chargers, there are certainly plenty of players who are the exact opposite and need those warm-up games to really get themselves going. So we'll see how that's, uh, that's certainly going to have a big impact on a lot of these things. Uh, It's good that we haven't lost any more time than we already have. Certainly looking at some of those situations where you're looking at rookies looking to come in and take over big roles with teams. Looking over to Cam Newton, Carolina, and so on and so forth. Of course, one of those rookies might not have as big of an impact as we previously thought, at least not this season. That's looking over at Minnesota, where they drafted Christian Ponder, the quarterback out of Florida State, with their first-round pick this year. 
Uh, previously, at least during the lockout, it was thought that he was probably going to be thrown right into the Lions pit here so far to start this season. Going to go out there with a pretty good offensive line in front of him, Adrian Peterson lining up behind him in a good defense. So certainly not the worst spot for a rookie quarterback. Um, but to make things better, at least from a traditional standpoint, you know, the way most people look at it is that you want these rookie quarterbacks to sit for a year. And with the acquisition of Donovan McNabb going over to Minnesota from Washington, that's certainly going to be a good thing for Christian Ponder, at least in my eyes. Um, now, I know one of the main reasons they took Ponder over maybe someone who you might have expected to go earlier, obviously Ryan Mallett was supposed to be the quarterback to kind of go that early, but he slipped all the way into the third round for the Patriots. But I think one of the reasons that they looked at Christian Ponder was some of his football IQ. Um, both looking forward, that's certainly an intangible type of thing. Um, obviously, you can't really teach the physical things. You can't teach a guy to throw. You can't teach a guy to exactly throw, you know, 80 yards Dante Culpepper style or to run like Mike Vick. Um, but in addition to that, you can't teach that inherent that inherent football IQ that some of these quarterbacks have and some just don't. Um, that's what separates, like we mentioned, a Dante Culpepper, who was incredibly dominant in his heyday, from someone who might have had similar physical skills like a Jamarcus Russell who just couldn't deliver in the slightest. Um, so while that certainly is something that they're looking at as an intangible, it's also something they might have been looking at to get him on the field faster. Um, so that might... The acquisition of Donovan McNabb might make that Christian Ponder pick a bit more questionable. Certainly a lot of people were questioning it in the first place anyway. Certainly thought to be a bit of a reach, both taking any quarterback that high after some of the premier ones went in front of them, and also that particular quarterback in Christian Ponder. Um, but we'll see. McNabb with the Vikings, in all honesty, that is a pretty scary team. Uh, we forget that, going back a few years here, that Brett Favre-led Vikings team was pretty dominant out there. They were thought to be a Super Bowl contender. They're one of the front runners in that NFC um, in what's become a very a real parody-laden league, the NFL. Um, so really to have a team that really jumps out as much as the Vikings did going back two years is really pretty impressive. Um, so you think plugging in another veteran quarterback um, and a guy who seems to be a lot healthier than Brett Favre was last year, for instance, in a guy like Donovan McNabb, that could result in huge things for that franchise. Um, at least in the immediate future. And suddenly it looks like the Vikings are kind of back on the right path if Ponder can, you know, learn while sitting behind a dominant guy like McNabb. Uh, McNabb, for all of the credit he gets for his mobility, for his physical skills, McNabb's a guy who has a lot of these intangibles that you're really looking at. Um, and on top of that, he's a guy who was able to develop and play in Philadelphia. Um, so you know he's a guy who certainly has that toughness both on and off the field. Um, a real resilient guy who's really going to be able to teach Ponder at least some thick skin. Um, so moving on, we certainly have a lot of other rookie quarterback spots going over to Carolina. You have Cam Newton over there, seemingly with a pretty open path to that starting spot. But moreover, going to Seattle, uh, Seattle making some interesting calls in that they do not have a rookie quarterback in there, but it seems like they're going to in the near future. Um, I'm saying that because well, they let Matt Hasselbeck go, the longtime veteran quarterback for that franchise. They elected to just not re-sign him. Uh, they let him walk away, uh, presumably to Tennessee. They brought in Tavares Jackson on a two-year deal, but that certainly seems like a short-term type of thing. Uh, Jackson not really showing all of the potential that we thought he might have had over in Minnesota. Uh, a guy with a lot of speed and a pretty good throwing arm on him, but just a guy who doesn't quite seem like an NFL quarterback. So you're left with Jackson and Charlie Whiters, who started a little bit down the stretch for that team when Hasselback was out with injury last year. 
And all of a sudden, what I've seen some analysts looking at, and something that I'd have to agree with, is it seems almost as if Pete Carroll is going to is looking at this as a spot where he made the playoffs last year. So he's in a position where he has a lot of control and a lot of power. Uh, with that being said, he's also in a spot where he didn't really have his guy at quarterback. Uh, and what I mean by that is a lot of times when you bring in these rookie coaches, the first thing they tend to do is kind of get their guy in at quarterback. Um, that's the guy who kind of comes with them. Uh, sometimes they're rookies. Obviously, most of the examples we've seen recently, um, you look at Rex Ryan uh, in New York, right alongside him, you had Mark Sanchez. Uh, you go over in Baltimore, they bring the new coach. They also bring the new quarterback, Joe Flacco. Um, it can be a veteran guy, but typically they have their guy to kind of grow alongside them at quarterback. And frankly, Hasselbeck just wasn't that guy for Pete Carroll in Seattle. Um, so there's a lot of rumors out there that maybe Seattle and not re-signing Hasselbeck um, they're kind of just going to throw away this season after last year's playoff success. Uh, they were certainly a surprising team in the playoffs last year, and frankly, I don't think a lot of people would really be expecting them to return to the playoffs this year, even if they had kept Hasselbeck, who, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's a viable starter in the NFL, um, but he's had some injuries recently, and he certainly never really was a superstar. Um, but with an improved St. Louis franchise, that team seemed to be getting better and better every week last season behind quarterback Sam Bradford. And you imagine he's certainly gotten a lot of credit this season in this lockout offseason um, as a leader of that team. Uh, and an possibly improved Cardinals franchise, Arizona adding uh, Kevin Cobb, it seems, finally finding an answer for the quarterback problem that they've had since Kurt Warner retired. And, you know, it's going to be, it would have been tough anyways for Seattle to win that division again, get back into the playoffs. Um, so, frankly, I'm not too surprised that they made this decision, assuming they are just kind of going to tank this year. Um, now, obviously, everybody goes out there with intent. The players go out there trying to win every game. But that being said, when you're out there with a Tavares Jackson or Charlie Whitehurst, the quarterback, how much can you exactly do to win these games? Um, so with that being said, I imagine they're going to be looking to get maybe that first overall pick for presumably Andrew Luck out of Stanford, or maybe Matt Barkley out of USC, uh, Pete Carroll's former quarterback, going back to his collegiate days as a coach at USC. Uh, so that'll be interesting. The NFC West certainly is going to be an intriguing division. Um, as you look at San Francisco also as a team with a lot of potential, certainly, they haven't made the big move since we've come out of this lockout. Um, they've re-signed quarterback Alex Smith, um, which might be as big of a surprise as any of the new, uh, any of the signings of new guys to teams, as there was certainly a lot of confrontation going on between Alex Smith and his previous coaches. Um, but under new coach, the other Harbaugh brother, the, the other, obviously we mentioned the previous uh, Jim Harbaugh. We have the one coach in Baltimore, the one coach formerly of Stanford, now in San Francisco. They might also be looking at Andrew Luck or Matt Barkley in next year's draft. Uh, so we're going to take a break. Be sure to keep it right here. You're listening to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. 
Kids these days are so connected to the media that they can't help but be surrounded by news and politics. Today's kids get more information than kids of past generations, and because of that, they have more informed opinions. Kids today may not be able to vote yet, but they can certainly influence voters and issues with their voices. Tune in every week for America Today and talk about the issues and influence the decision makers. America Today airs every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support you. Behind the Line is all about the inside of sports from a kid's point of view. This is a look at all of the action from Behind the Line. Join your host every Wednesday at 3 p.m. whether you're a kid or was a kid at some time in your life. We'll run down all of the scores, talk about the games of the past week, and preview what's coming up in the next week. You'll want to take notes because this is good stuff. The place to be Wednesdays at 3. That's 6 p.m. Eastern is the Voice America Kids channel for Behind the Line. Want to laugh yourself silly over the crazy happenings of the celeb world and beyond? Tune in to Behind the Mask on Voice America Kids. Your hosts will uncover the celebrities you know and love, along with some that you might not know in this country, but they are admired across the world. But it's not just the famous that need to look out. We'll look inside the music biz, stage, and of course, the big screen. Listen to Behind the Mask every Thursday at 8 p.m. on Broadway and 5 p.m. Hollywood side on the Voice America Kids channel. You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Now, back into the action. Thank you, and welcome back to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. I'm Jason, and if you're just joining us, you missed a segment covering the NFL in their return from the lockout, uh, looking at some of the offseason moves that have taken place already, uh, and looking at the impact those might have. Uh, We took a look first at the NFC West, taking a look at some of the interesting decisions made by the Seattle Seahawks in particular. Not re-signing Matt Hasselbeck. It seems like they're probably going to be kind of taking this year to rebuild. Looking to get an early draft pick to select an Andrew Luck or a Matt Barkley, presumably. Um, or maybe another big-time collegiate quarterback who we quite haven't heard from yet. Um, we looked at the way that the Arizona Cardinals and the St. Louis Rams seem to be on the rise behind presumably rising quarterbacks, uh, Kevin Cobb and Sam Bradford. And the 49ers, we kind of touched on at the end there, ran out of time a little bit. Uh, they're kind of the wild card in this mix. They do have a quarterback for the moment, uh, re-signing Alex Smith, who of course had some problems with the previous coaching staffs in in San Francisco. Uh, We'll see if he fits in better or if this is just a one-year solution. It's just a one-year contract for Smith uh, until they can get, once again, maybe an Andrew Luck or a Matt Barkley. Uh, So we're going to stick with the NFL here, as certainly everybody's happy to hear about the NFL now that it's not hearing about the NFL lockout. Uh, Speaking of the Cardinals as a team on the rise, Kevin Cobb will not have maybe one of the main passing targets he was thinking he would have in Arizona. Obviously, Larry Fitzgerald's the guy he had worked out with. He's certainly the number one guy for the Cardinals. 
one of the number one guys in the league. Certainly very few wide receivers I would take over Fitzgerald. Uh, Steve Breston, however, who had emerged as the number two guy in Arizona since Anquan Bolden left for Baltimore. Steve Breston going to Kansas City, rejoining his former offensive coordinator and adding into what seems to be a pretty tough Chiefs offense. Um, Kansas City obviously was a big shocking team last year. Um, although if you really look at them, maybe not so surprising. Maybe more surprising that everything actually worked out as well as it was supposed to. But the team was kind of supposed to be pretty good behind young quarterback Matt Castle, um, who I'm certainly a big fan of. He looks like the next big thing out in Kansas City, and now he's going to have another target to throw to with Steve Breston. Uh, Breston joining most notably Dwayne Bowe on that receiving force, a guy who I've heard some doubts on. His production kind of tapered off towards the end of last season, Dwayne Bowe that is, um, and people are kind of questioning if maybe the league had started to figure him out as teams started to game plan more specifically for the Chiefs as they became more of a threat as the season progressed. Um, so that would be a, certainly be an interesting team to look at in the always interesting uh, NFL now back from lockout, um, would certainly have a lot of transactions that still have yet to happen. Um, but I think the big ones that we looked at, we already looked at Donovan McNabb going, of course, to Minnesota. Going to be interesting, the NFC North, kind of a division that had become a bit of a throwaway um, these past few years. Green Bay, Chicago, we have a lot of good rivalries in that division. But the one thing you always saw for sure out of that division was underperformance. Um, and I say that because you went in with a lot of these teams having really high expectations. And typically, either due to injury or underplay or both, uh, you would wind up with things like last year's Vikings team, a team that was just suddenly in disarray, despite being one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Um, even the Packers last year, who of course wound up as Super Bowl champions, they were expected to kind of steamroll through that division. But the issue was injuries came through, nagging them, um, and those injuries really hurt the Packers until they made it into that Super Bowl run. Um, so adding McNabb to the Vikings, kind of keeping them in that race, is going to help make that division very interesting uh, once again. As it's typically, even though we, we see a lot of underperformance in that division, as I've mentioned, um, it's still typically one of the more interesting divisions in football. You look at maybe the AFC East is more interesting. But after that, the NFC North, one of the better divisions in football, and it looks to be that way going into next year. Um, now, of course, Chicago's quarterback is Jay Cutler these days in the NFC North. Uh, Cutler obviously coming off a lot of scrutiny for kind of bowing out of their playoff game last season. Um, now, of course, most of his players, his teammates, have come out in total support of him, uh, saying they understand he was truly injured and unable to play following the hits he took in their playoff game. Um, but certainly the rest of the league kind of scrutinizing Cutler as he's been a subject, he's really been a subject of a lot of judgment throughout his career, um, in large part because he was such a high first-round pick and he's already been traded. Um, but what comes out of this is, of course, the guy he was traded for, Kyle Orton of the Broncos, uh, he seems to be on the trading block himself as it seems like the Broncos are going to put their faith in Tim Tebow. Um, now, in all honesty, I'm kind of confused as to why there are quite so many question marks about Tebow. Um, to me, this seems like the perfect move in that even if Tebow bombs his quarterback, uh, they can just take a new quarterback in that first round, uh, as there seem, it seems like there's going to be quite a few potential franchise quarterbacks early in next, in next year's draft. 
Um, but Tebow did get some starting time towards the end of the last season, and frankly, he looked really good. Um, obviously, his throwing arm is questionable. He's not always the most accurate passer. He's had to change his release point a lot, um, although at this point, his release point doesn't seem to be too much of an issue, doesn't seem to quite be telegraphing it for the NFL safeties these days um, with his reconstructed throwing motion. Obviously, I understand Tebow, not the most orthodox guy, didn't look great throwing the deep ball last year. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is he led them on some impressive wins towards the end of last year, didn't look terrible out there, and the guy sells tickets like no one else. Um, Tebow is already the number one jersey in the league, despite, like we mentioned, not really doing much of anything until he got the starting job late into last year. Um, so going into the season with Tebow as the unquestioned starter, I think is a very good move from most standpoints for Denver. Um, and even though, obviously, like I mentioned, if he fails, they get the high draft pick anyways to maybe replace him at quarterback, um, but I really don't think he's going to bomb out. I think Tebow has what it takes to at least be a viable NFL starter um, in addition to selling all those jerseys. Um, the NFC North, uh, as we already touched on, certainly going to be interesting. We've covered a couple of teams over in that AFC West. We've talked about the... Uh, We've talked a bit about the Chiefs, now about the Broncos. Um, the Oakwood Raiders certainly losing one of their big pieces this offseason, as it appears Namdi Asamoah will not be resigning with the team um, after opting out of the largest deal ever given to a cornerback. Um, and lately, what we've heard is the New York Jets, who already re-signed wide receiver Santonio Holmes to, I think, a five-year $50 million uh, deal, are looking into signing Asamoah. I know Mark Sanchez has come out saying that he and uh, Darrell Rivas specifically, but also generally stating everyone, would be willing to take maybe a cut and pay, a contract reduction, in order to sign a guy like Asamoah. Um, obviously, Rivas was the big deal, having the big holdout going into last season. Um, so we'll see if he's actually willing to take a reduction in that money that he fought so hard for, um, or if this is just kind of Sanchez taking on the typical role as the team leader, saying the right things. But that would certainly be terrifying, not just for the AFC East, but really for everyone in the NFL to see Asamoah opposite of uh, Darrell Rivas, known as the Rivas Island, of course. Um, that would certainly be a scary thought for any passing offense. I mean, you look over in New England as a mega pass-first team and the main competition for the Jets in that AFC East. And I just can't imagine how anyone's going to be able to throw on two cornerbacks like that. All of a sudden, you're looking at not just your number one guy. You know, we've seen Revis shut down guys like Andre Johnson, Randy Moss without too much problem. Um, not just him, but your number two guy as well being shut down by Asamoah, allowing those safeties to pretty much just ball hawk, just look for whatever loose ball they can get to, maybe look to make the big play. Uh, combined that with some of the Jets' creative pass rush, they are always certainly one of the best pass rushing teams in the NFL, at least under Coach Rex Ryan. Um, and frankly, I don't see how anyone's going to be able to beat them without a dominant running game. Um, the Jets' running game has taken a little bit of, hit, of a hit over the last couple of years with the uh, couple of knee injuries uh, nose tackle Chris Jenkins suffered. Uh, he has since retired after back-to-back, -back, I believe, torn ACLs. I'm not sure if it was the same knee or opposite knees, um, but certainly tough to see such a dominant force at nose tackle have to go out like that. Uh, Chris Jenkins was one of the best nose tackles in the NFL in his heyday. Uh, did make a Pro Bowl two years ago in uh, Rex Ryan's first year with the Jets. So we'll see if they're able to acquire Asamoah quite what that does, not just for their passing defense, but if that allows them to kind of load up on the run defense. Uh, so now we're going to take a break. Be sure to keep it right here. Uh, you're listening to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids.
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you believe in the supernatural? Well, some do and some don't, which is why Beyond the Third Dimension looks at both sides. You have one host who believes in ghosts, while the other can't think of anything more ridiculous. Put them together and you get some great discussion and some real discoveries and exploration of the paranormal, and then some. Tune in to Beyond the Third Dimension, airing Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. And try not to be afraid of things that go bump in the night. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Kids face very tough and very real issues every single day. It can be bad. It can be ugly. Now there's something good that can help. Tune in to The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll discuss the issues and provide solutions and connections to solutions that you will be able to use. Our show goes right to the heart of today's kids and beyond. Your parents will probably want to listen in, too. The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly airs Mondays at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 Eastern on Voice America Kids. You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Now, back into the action. Thank you, and welcome back to Speaking of Sports. I'm Jason, uh, and if you're just joining us, you missed back-to-back segments covering the NFL, now into their full off-season swing. Um, we have a free agent frenzy going on in the NFL following the end of the lockout. Uh, we talked about most of the teams, really, anybody who's really looking to make a move. Um, ending, of course, in the AFC East, looking at the Jets possibly being able to sign Asamoah, the big-time cornerback out of Oakland. Um, that'll be a huge deal for the Jets and really for everyone in the NFL, as there are certainly a lot of guys on his sweepstakes. Um, but now moving on, we've covered the NFL enough. We're going to get into Major League Baseball. Certainly always an interesting time of year for baseball fans. Um, as much like the free agent frenzy currently going on in the NFL, Um, We're approaching the MLB trade deadline, so we're going to see those kind of big-time moves being made. Uh, Now, this year seems kind of like an uneventful year for the MLB trade deadline, at least by most standards. Uh, There's not going to be a Cliff Lee trade or a Mark Teixeira trade or one of the huge things that we've seen the past few years. Um, But we have seen Carlos Beltran go from the New York Mets to the San Francisco Giants. Um, And do not sleep on Beltran. Yeah, he's been down for a few years, really ever since he joined the Mets after that absolutely monstrous second half with the Astros, uh, where he carried them to and through the playoffs. But Beltran did seem to bounce back this year uh, and was a contract year for him, making the All-Star team uh, and really just putting together an excellent performance in the first half. 
And the thing about Beltran is, is he isn't quite the five-tool player that he was once thought to be, really just due to age. Um, he's over 10 years in the league at this point, and it'd be, you know, it'd be strange to expect him to still have the leg speed that he had back in his 20s. Um, but that being said, he's still a fearsome hitter, and he's still a very good fielder out there. It's just these days, it's more expected for him from the corner outfield, still showing off that big arm that he always had from center field, but without really the ranginess he needs to play center. Um, so I'd expect him to take over one of those corner outfield slots in San Francisco, and certainly adding a big bat to that team. Um, I mean, honestly, that team was kind of missing a bat even with Buster Posey, and dropping Posey earlier in this year, that was certainly a huge thing for them. Um, so these right now, they're kind of back to the same offensive level they were at when they won the World Series last year, uh, where once again, I felt they were kind of missing a bat anyways. Uh, so this will certainly make that NFC... Or, not NFC, I'm still stuck on football here. That'll make the NL West certainly more interesting, as we should have a pretty good battle there um, with the Colorado Rockies always expected to make a late-season push. It's just what they do, along with the very surprising Arizona Diamondbacks, who are keeping things pretty competitive in the NL West. Um, but I'd, I'd expect the Giants to start to move extend their lead, kind of run away with this one, until the inevitable Rockies, like 15-game winning streak that always seems to come at the end of, ye end of the year from Colorado. Now looking at two guys who may not move this season, um, but we may still be looking at in the future, that's Felix Hernandez over in Seattle and Ubaldo Jimenez from the aforementioned Colorado Rockies. Um, now allegedly Seattle is saying that they're just going to build around Felix Hernandez um, and rookie starting pitcher uh, Michael Pineda. Now that would be a pretty impressive one-two punch. They already are pretty dominant, and they have held on to Felix for a number of years. Um, people do you, typically, when talking about Felix Hernandez, um, people either forget either how young he is or they think he's older than he actually is. Um, because King Felix, he started at a very young age in the majors before he was 20, um, either at 18 or 19. Um, but he's been there for quite a few years at this point. Uh, he's a Cy Young winner. He's one of the dominant pitchers in Major League Baseball. Um, but despite his youth, he's got a lot of innings on that arm. So I'm not quite sure how big of a window the Mariners have to rebuild around him. Uh, Felix Hernandez has kind of been for the New York Yankees, what Adrian Gonzalez always was for the Red Sox. Uh, he's kind of been the huge guy who they've always been supposed to get year after year, trade deadline after trade deadline, and eventually came through for the Red Sox. Of course, Gonzalez having an MVP-type uh, first half, you know, a little bit over the first half at this point of the season, having a monstrous year over in Boston after they finally acquired him away from San Diego. Uh, was see if King Felix actually stays put in Seattle. It seems like he is uh, staying put at least for this year. We'll see what happens going on to the offseason and the next year. Um, whereas Ubaldo Jimenez, at first when his name was kind of thrown out there when it came out that the Yankees were scouting him, a lot of teams kind of dismissed it. It seemed like the Rockies were more kind of putting his name out there just to see what they might possibly get. Uh, and word was that the Rockies really weren't looking to move this guy. Um, but as time kind of progressed, it seemed like things were actually getting more serious for Ubaldo as opposed to less serious, which, te which tends to be what happens when it comes to these big-time trade bait guys. Uh, typically, you know, you start out with these heavy rumors, and then things just kind of mellow down and a lot of times burn out without anything happening. Uh, Jimenez has kind of been on the rise, but it seems right now that he might not be getting dealt this season. Uh, Jimenez, on the other end, 
seems like Colorado, they need kind of the big pitcher to go in there with uh, Tulowitzki and Gonzalez, the two big-time hitters they have built, that they're building around over in Colorado. Um, but the question is, is Jimenez really that guy? After last year's monstrous first half, he looked like he might be a 30-game winner at the halfway part the halfway point from last season. Um, he's kind of toned it down a bit in the second half of last season, and this year not putting together a great year, not getting the best run support, certainly out there in Colorado, certainly outpitching his record, but still kind of struggling over there for the Rockies. Uh, so I'm not sure. I think that really is more of an effect on Colorado keeping him in the future because Colorado would really be keeping him to be their ace-type guy whereas any of the big-time contenders like the Yankees, who we mentioned, or the Red Sox, certainly a team who really needs to add a pitcher, um, they'd more be looking at him as more of a three-guy, maybe a two-guy at best. So I think his struggles probably up the chances of him being traded, but I still wouldn't quite expect it so far this season. Um, now, of course, we go back to that Red Sox team. They're still leading the ALEs. They've put together a really dominant stretch of baseball right now. Um, but there are talks of a move uh, being made possibly to Boston or to one of those other ALEs contenders, maybe the Yankees, maybe somewhere else with bullpen trouble. We talked about the Red Sox acquiring Adrian Gonzalez from San Diego after going at him for so long. Um, it seems like Heath Bell from San Diego, their longtime closer, a multiple-time All-Star, he might be on the move this year as well. I know we've already mentioned the Yankees quite a few times going after those first few pitching uh, candidates, but it seems like the Yankees are another possible uh, location for Heath Bell in this one. Certainly quite a few teams need that big-time relief pitching help. Um, the Yankees are just one of them. Of course, being a Yankees fan myself, I'm not quite sure exactly what they do when their bullpen actually gets healthy if they go out and acquire someone like Bell. Um, they have guys Soriano, Chamberlain, Feliciano all on the disabled list right now. Uh, so that's three big names who they might be able to get back without a trade. Uh, but going back to the AL East, going back to those Boston Red Sox, they're playing really dominant baseball right now. Um, and it's not surprising that they're playing together that they're putting together such a good season, but just the level of dominance they're playing at right now, I find surprising due in large part to their starting pitching. Um, that franchise, they're kind of down a couple of starting pitchers from being an elite franchise. Um, the John Lackey deal certainly hasn't been what Red Sox fans might have hoped it was. Uh, Lackey has really struggled over there in Boston, not showing the same success he was uh, really as the ace of the Angels staff for a long period of time, struggling even as the number three guy in Boston. Um, Lester's been dominant when he's been there. Uh, some injury issues for Lester. Beckett having a real bounce back year um, after an injury plague season last year. But that being said, that's really just a one-two punch they have going there. And I've been really impressed uh, in some part with the performance of, of guys like Tim Wakefield uh, going out there and really putting out good, good solid outings uh, despite being well over the age of 40. Obviously being a knuckleballer helps. Uh, certainly the aging not impacting a knuckleballer as it would a traditional pitcher. Um, but very impressive work done by Tim Wakefield. And of course the Red Sox offense this year really carrying the load for that team. Um, if you remember going back a couple years back, uh, the Red Sox were talking about rebuilding behind pitching and defense. Uh, at some point during that season, Theo Epstein, the Red Sox GM, pretty much admitted that 
that wasn't going to happen. Uh, they attempted to do that. I believe that's the year they made the Lackey signing. It wasn't working out. They were just going to be a big-time slugging team. And that's what they've really been able to do this year behind Adrian Gonzalez and Carl Crawford, the new signings, uh, in addition to big seasons so far from Dustin Pedroia, Kevin Euclid, really the whole gang. Uh, good to see Big Poppy having a bounce-back year. Uh, after his struggles in the first half of last year, David Ortiz playing very well right now. Uh, maybe not quite the big poppy we came to know back during his reign of supremacy during their first couple World Series wins, uh, but certainly still being a big-time factor in that very tough AL East. Um, we already saw one trade go through, a major trade, and that was the K-Rod trade. This was well before the trade deadline, but I don't think we quite covered it thoroughly. Uh, Francisco Rodriguez going from the Mets to the Brewers, that'll have a big impact in a very tightly contested NL Central. It'll be really interesting to see how that one comes together, um, with the Reds, Cardinals, and Brewers all looking like they should be playoff teams. Uh, so we're going to take a break here. Um, you are listening to Speaking of Sports. Keep it right here on Voice America Kids. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. The Terrence Rogers Show will take the world by storm. The topics are sometimes newsworthy, sometimes personal, as we explore fashion, entertainment, art, and more. Host Terrence Rogers has seen a lot of life experience in his few years of life. It's this experience that allows him to bring a fresh perspective to the table, and he holds nothing back. Tune in to The Terrence Rogers Show every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Kids channel. You'll laugh, cry, and most importantly, this show will reach out and touch your life. What is Take Two? Take two crazy hosts, put them in front of two microphones, and use your two ears to enjoy the fun times two. Take Two. We'll go back, way back to the favorite TV shows of our childhood, your parents' childhood. Um, no. Uh, try again, Chris. Take two. We'll take you back to the favorite TV shows of our generation, past and present, and apply them to what's going on in our own lives. Trust us, it'll be a blast. Tune in to Take Two every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Kids channel. There is so much going on in the tech field. The Technology Show is here to sort it all out so that you know exactly what you need to get and what you should avoid. In this age of cell phones and text messaging and new discoveries every single day, you need to be informed. We'll bring you previews of new products, technology news, and help you make the right decision when you are out there buying that new MP3 player, cell phone, or mobile device. Don't do a thing until you've tuned in to The Technology Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Kids. What are some of the issues that kids face every day? You'll find out when you tune into the appropriately named Today's Kids. Your hosts are here to open the doors to a forum of all kinds of issues. Nothing is off the table here. And because it's on the Voice America Kids channel, you know you're getting a kid's perspective. Tune in every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for Today's Kids. Your hosts will lead this forum of engaging conversation on Voice America Kids. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? 
Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Now, back into the action. Thank you, and welcome back to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. I'm Jason, and if you're just now joining us, you missed a couple of segments covering the NFL offseason, the free agent frenzy that they're going through now that the league is finally out of their lockout situation. Uh, we also talked about Major League Baseball, looking at some moves that could happen during uh, coming up with this trade deadline. Uh, obviously, the big move that did happen, Carlos Beltran going to the Giants, uh, and also looking at some of these other trades. Uh, we One trade that was a little bit late-breaking that we did not cover was the Cardinals trading Colby Rasmus to the Blue Jays uh, in exchange for Edwin Jackson. So Jackson now, of course, with more times traded than he has complete games, but certainly a pitcher with a lot of great stuff um, and certainly a guy who could be instrumental in that very interesting NL Central race, uh, a race that we already had talked about. Um, a race that we talked about, of course, with the kind of subject being the K-Rod trade, Felix uh, K-Rod going to the Brewers from the Mets, going from the NL East to the NL Central. Um, the specifics on that trade, uh, as we see a couple of guys going to the Cardinals, actually. Octavio Dotel, the other notable piece in that trade, going to St. Louis, along with uh, a couple other, another relief pitcher and outfielder Corey Patterson, the journeyman, uh, in exchange for outfielder Colby, Colby Rasmus and uh, what appears to be some minor league relief pitchers. Uh, yes, Trevor Miller, Brian Talbot, uh, some so some relievers going to the Blue Jays in exchange for the big money guys being Edwin Jackson and Octavio Dotel, a guy who has been a frontline closer in the past. Obviously, Dotel a bit past his prime, but certainly another big-time relief pitcher going to that NL Central. Uh, so now we're going to get into states and sports. We're going to be looking at Connecticut. Um, which is certainly a bit of a refreshing change of pace. We've been looking at some kind of we've been looking at some more professional states recently, uh, looking at California and Colorado. Some areas really known for their pro teams. Um, we talked about you know the heroics of the various sports franchises in Colorado, California. Obviously, tons of pro sports teams there just due to the sheer size of that state. Um, but now we're really going to be returning more to the collegiate fronts in Connecticut. And, of course, you think about Connecticut and sports, there are really two things that come to mind. That, that is, of course, the University of Connecticut, UConn, a basketball powerhouse in both men's and women's basketball, and ESPN being located in Connecticut, kind of the other side of sports, really helping and making every other sport instrumental, is the huge widespread reach of ESPN as the nation's premier and first real major network, uh, purely for sports and sports entertainment and the like. Um, but you go back to Connecticut, their prominence as a basketball powerhouse. Uh, these days you really look at their women's basketball program as pretty much the most dominant collegiate uh, sporting program in America right now. Um, frankly, I don't think there's much debate at that. Uh, you look at the most recent years, obviously they had the massive undefeated run on the national championships in these recent Maya Moore teams. But frankly, you look at like the WNBA All-Star game that happened, that happened, I believe, last week, and frankly, the Western Conference team was entirely made of UConn players, pretty much. 
um, I believe four-fifths of the starting five for the Western Conference were all out of the University of Connecticut. Um, we look back at some of the most historic collegiate uh, women's college basketball players, um, going back all the way through Rebecca Lobo into modern stars like Diana Taurasi or most recently Maya Moore. And you really look at what is one of the truly dominant franchises or um, programs, I beg your pardon, one of the truly dominant collegiate programs in the history of American sports. Um, but of course, that all started really... UConn basketball goes back, what really sparked it all, uh, first sparking the men's program under Jim Calhoun, of course leading to the dominant women's program, um, was the Tate George shot late in the 80s, um, in the late 80s, 88 I want to say, in March Madness. Um, now I'm sure a lot of you have seen the big time Duke play, uh, the Christian Leitner pass where they, you know, they throw it down cross court, hit the last second shot to win the tournament game. This was a very similar play to that, really kind of a similar situation, one second on the clock, NCAA tournament, UConn's really first rise to prominence, Tate George hits the shot, wins the game, and that's really what set up this Jim Calhoun-led UConn's men basketball program. Um, that already, as you know, they their most recent championship was, of course, this past year behind Kemba Walker. But before that, Tate George hitting the big shot. Um, Connecticut, so as we mentioned, last year even was a huge year for UConn basketball. Um, we thought we might be looking at a team winning both men's and women's collegiate basketball. Of course, it turns out there was a little bit of a separation in that, but certainly the women's program, um, as we mentioned, the most dominant program we've seen in a long time in any collegiate sport. And the men's program kind of shocking the world last year, um, showing up really to the Big East Conference Tournament as a team who pretty much was on the bubble, um, probably going to get in, but not really a team expected to do much. And then Kemba Walker revealed that he was, in fact, one of the biggest tournament players of all time. Um, now, of course, talking about Kemba Walker as a tournament player, typically when you say something like that in a collegiate sense, you're talking about the NCAA tournament. Uh, but that's not all for Kemba Walker. In the three tournament-type environments UConn played in last year, Walker just went nuts in all of them, looked far and away like the best player on the court in all of them. Um, that's going back to the preseason tournament. I believe they were playing in the Maui Invitational um, over in Hawaii. Kemba Walker jumped out as really the early front runner for the Collegiate Player of the Year award. Um, obviously, most of those honors ended up going to BYU's Jimmer Fredette, who put together a monster season. Certainly, nothing to take away from him. Um, but when it came down to the tournaments that really mattered at the end of the year, once again, it was Kemba Walker carrying that UConn team. Um, in the Big East tournament, Walker once again looked like the best player on the court in what was a pretty impressive Big East. Um, then going on into the um, into the NCAA tournament, Kemba Walker took home honors as the tournament's best player. Uh, and that kind of winning attitude, that's really what separated UConn from the rest of the pack. Um, obviously, we've seen the women's team put together not just big-time tournament performances, uh, but also great regular seasons. Obviously, they now have the record for the longest Division I basketball winning streak um, based on that team that we've seen la for the last few years, that Maya Moore-led team for Coach Gino Ariano. Um, but beyond that, it's really what comes down to the tournament time, whether it's going back to the late 80s with Tate George making the game-winning shot, or even this past season, Kemba Walker just dominating the tournament. It's really what comes down to it in the clutch for UConn basketball. Um, now, of course, Connecticut, not just known, they do have uh, another Division I collegiate program out there. That is, of course, Yale, also hailing from Connecticut. Certainly not as prestigious 
athletically as UConn, obviously more prestigious academically as one of the big-time powers academically in the Ivy Leagues. Um, but the franchise uh, program who really, you look at a lot of that early success in the early stages of Division One sports, and it was really the Ivies who were really kind of running the show back then. Yale certainly put together some runs back then, um, and still is pretty competitive in the Ivy League in various sports. Um, UConn, certainly not just a basketball program, however, that is certainly what they're known for. Um, you look at the UConn football program last year, also surprisingly making a BCS bowl game. Um, Randy Edsall, of course, the head coach for that team, received a lot of credit for their trip to the Fiesta Bowl, um, which does remain a BCS bowl game despite the scandal this past offseason. Um, Randy Edsall now going to, I believe, the University of Massachusetts, no, Maryland, beg pardon, going to Maryland, certainly going to have a big impact on that UConn football program, who has really tried to emulate their basketball program and really just being able to get behind a solid stream of recruits, as opposed to really relying on some of the big-time superstar prospects that some other programs try and rely on. Um, really, it's consistency, even though you look at the stars, you look at the Maya Moores and Diana Taurasi's in UConn women's basketball, there's a consistency to it that allows them to dominate year in, year out. And frankly, that might be what's missing from UConn's football program going into this next season. Is the other spot where we've seen consistency in both men's and women's basketball in UConn is head coaches. Uh, it's always been Jim Calhoun for these runs for the men's team, always been Gino Ariano for the women's team. And you know, it's not going to be Randy Edsall for the football team. Uh, so that'll certainly be interesting to see what that football team can come up with. I don't believe they're losing too many players to the NFL. Um, they are returning a fair number of players. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what exactly they can do. Not exactly the strongest conference for football either. Uh, so maybe UConn can kind of surprise everyone despite being under new head coach uh, Paul Pasquale. Pasqualani, um, they might be able to put together a return to BCS form, which would certainly be impressive, um, although it certainly remains to be seen exactly what that team can do, especially under a new head coach, when they run up against maybe you know a Pac-12 or a Big Ten or an SEC school. Uh, going back to ESPN, of course, the other notable sporting situation going on in Connecticut, uh, certainly it's hard to overestimate exactly how instrumental ESPN has been in pretty much everything we look at in sports, both collegially and in the pros. Um, obviously, you look at all the huge money being made in the pros and, of course, some of these big-time scandals with money being made even collegially. That really all goes back to ESPN making sports larger than life, making it this huge television event, and not just something to see in person. And that is part of what's made Connecticut so instrumental in this country in the history of sports. Uh, so that's going to wrap things, us for, wrap, wrap things up for us this week. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been Speaking of Sports. Keep it right here on Voice America Kids. Thanks again for listening to Speaking of Sports on the Voice America Kids channel. Make sure you come on back next week for another great show. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today.